Um, you hear that, Cameron? Um, okay. No, but we are uh, excited to see where, where God is, is taking the church. And um, as, as, as Pastor Jed said, we're going through the, the book of, um, not the book, but we're talking about Fit for Life. And I want to go ahead and do something. I know Jed prayed, but I want to pray and just kind of share my heart and kind of what God has done in my life this week and uh, through this preparation. So, Heavenly Father, we, God, we thank you so much for this, um, for this morning. And God, we pray right now that you would be with each and every one of us. And Lord, I, I thank you for this church, and I thank you for the churches in this valley. And um, God, as we, as we go through this, uh, this, these portions of scriptures, and as we talk about being fit for life, and as we talk about evangelism, God, I pray that you would, you'd move in our, in our hearts. And God, I pray that you would, uh, you teach me, you teach us. God, I pray that every word from my mouth, that's from my flesh, would just fall straight to the ground and die, and that your Holy Spirit would speak to, to all of us, Lord. And so, God, we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, hey, last time I was here, um, I just want to remind you that I did say that when we get to heaven, we are going to be speaking the heavenly language, Spanish. Um, I think it's no coincidence that the Lord would have me to speak on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, just another confirmation that, uh, that we will be speaking Spanish in, in uh, heaven. So, and Mexico, but uh, God's good. So um, I want to thank you guys for that and get ready. But we are talking about being fit for life and, and this series that we're talking, uh, Train for Godliness. And we've talked about different parts of, of working out and kind of how that relates to our spiritual life. And um, what we're not talking about and what we're not pushing is just this lifestyle of, of men's magazines and guys, to, in order to really serve the Lord, you have to have a six-pack and you have to be able to bench this much. Or, ladies, you have to be able to fit into this size dress and you have to look like this or look like that. We're not, we're not doing that. What we're doing is, is looking at the spiritual disciplines and seeing uh, how that applies to our life and, and what areas can we grow in. And we've talked about different ones. And this week, we're talking about evangelism. And we're talking about cardio. And I've I got to be honest, this week... Um, as I was preparing this, I, I really felt the Lord just speaking to me and, and, and tugging at my heart and, and telling me, hey, where, where are you at in this? And I don't know, but when, when I prepare and I, I study and I, I pray and I say, Lord, uh, would you teach me? I don't want to be up here saying, God, um, they really need to hear from me because um, I can speak and I can do this. Uh, but I truly in my heart, my like, God, where am I with evangelism? Where am I in, in discipleship? Where am I in, 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 in my, my life, in my book, in my reading of the Word? Where am I in that? And this week just felt like God was saying, your evangelism, you really need to be intentional about reaching people. I can go on and say, I'm, but Lord, I'm busy. I've got three kids. I'm, you know, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm trying to balance all this. And yes, there's, we have to balance that. But at the end of the day, we're here for a reason. And it's not to to work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week so we can get this, so we can get that, so we can save for retirement, so that we can die happy. It's, it's really about, about the loss and, and what, why we are here. And so I want to talk about cardio and how that relates to evangelism. So I was looking in a, in a magazine, or excuse me, Livestrong. There's a, an article here that says, Cardiovascular or aerobic exercise works all of the large muscle groups in your body. A workout can consist of, I want to show you a picture, walking. There we go. Maybe some of you are used to walking. You like walking. It's a good form of cardio. Running. We got here Judd uh, running. Oh, but, wait, that's not Judd. Um, 
We got swimming. Yes, we. If you don't know, I swam through high school and college, and I wasn't that good. But I swam. No, I, I enjoyed it, and it was such a good form of cardio. There's dancing. You know who likes to dance here? A little salsa. This past week, uh, Friday, Cam and I went on a date, and we went to go salsa dancing. And we get there, and there was not a single person dancing. And we're like, this is lame. We would have been the two out there dancing by ourselves. So we didn't. Um, and then, of course, there's cycling. Maybe this is your story. Some of you maybe don't like cycling because this is you. But as the weather gets nice, cycling becomes a part of, uh, of what we do. Going out outside, going hiking, going for a run becomes a part of our, our lifestyle. But doing regular cardio exercise not only can help you lose and maintain your weight, it can also improve your heart health and cut the risk for chronic diseases. Aerobic activities can help to lower your blood pressure and prevent heart disease, and they can also improve the health of your vessels and vascular functions, allowing your blood to flow more efficiently throughout your body. If you have had a heart attack, beginning a regular exercise program can reduce your risk by 20 to 25%, says the Heart Association. So cardio is a great workout. Obviously, we know that, and you're here, and you're thinking, okay, well, yeah, get on with it. What is the Bible, what does cardio have to do with it? But we are talking about fit for life and maintaining our physical body as well as our spiritual life, right? And a great form of cardio is running. Who enjoys running? I don't know why you would enjoy running. I, 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 I got to say, I, I've learned to kind of like it. But here's some benefits to running. Confidence, self-esteem, and I can actually build your self-esteem. Fight diseases, stress relief, control weight, heart health. And a runner's high. There's a there's a, a runner's high. It's called a runner's high. Uh, this is the first time you'll probably ever hear it preached. Get high, go for a run. Okay. Um, there's. Let me read this. Jogging has also been proven to improve attitude. Running, especially outside on trails, creates and release creates a release of endorphins that can cause euphoria or a runner's high, or just a general sense of happiness. I experienced this a few years ago, uh, quite a long time ago, actually about seven years ago, when I ran a marathon. Um, I remember enjoying the first half mile. And at the end of the, that mile, I felt something on my, on my head. It was a drip of sweat. And all of a sudden, this excitement of, of, of I'm running a marathon, there's 64,000 people here um, at that marathon. It was the rock and, roll, rock and Roll Marathon in Phoenix, and the world record was broken there. Not by me, just to set that straight. Um, the world record was broken there, and I remember I had different levels of how I felt throughout the marathon. And if you've ever ran a marathon, you're excited, then you start feeling pain, then you're angry, and then you're happy. And, and, and I did this dumb thing that I'll never do again. I wrote my name on my bib, thinking, okay, people will be like, go, Ben, and it'll be fun, it'll be exciting. And by the mile 20, people were like, Ben, keep going. I'm like, shut up. I'm thinking, you don't know what this feels like. They're sitting there in the shade drinking soda, having snacks. Like, you can do it. I'm like, you don't know what I can do. I am exhausted. It's 20 miles. Have you ever thought about running 20 miles? That's what I felt. And at 21-ish miles, I got this runner's high where it felt like I just began the race. And, and I felt good. And I won't tell you about the last mile, half mile. It was, I was literally angry. Every person was saying, it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. And I was, I was, I was mad. But I felt this runner's high, and, and, um, and I thought, you know, I will never do this again. No, I didn't think that. I, I, I want to do it again. But 
as I looked at running, I thought, you know, I, I didn't enjoy running. I actually didn't really train for it, which is why my time was horrible. Um, I think I ran a total of eight times before it. I shouldn't have done that. Um, but my experience with running is I've always not liked it. I've hated it. I've done it because I've tried to get fit or for sports. My coaches always made you run. They make you run, right? And the reason why we don't run is because it's exhausting. We don't like it. It's, it's a sport that I don't know why people like it. But the more I knew, as I, as I began to ran, run, me and Cameron wanted to get into the sport. And, and we thought, what about kayaking? What about um, cycling? What about this? Rock climbing? And uh, finally we said, let's, let's run. We could both do it. And so I began to read articles, and I began to uh, get the right shoes and get the right clothes, and um, I began to enjoy it. The more I understood this thing called running, it's not just get up and go, and it, there's actually uh, this, this thought behind it, and, and, and I began to enjoy it. And so as you're here and you're thinking, well, okay, what does this have to do with evangelism? I think the more we understand about evangelism, the more we understand the Lord, the more we seek God, and the more we try to understand His heart, the more we understand and want to share the good news. You know, the bottom line is running is uncomfortable. Some of you are here and you love running. You've got the outfit, you've got the shoes, and you enjoy it. For me, it wasn't that way. But many Christians don't share their faith because it's just uncomfortable, like running. Today, as we talk about evangelism, I want to have you turn to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. It's the Great Commission. We've all read it. We've all seen it. And um, what I want to do today is, as I thought and prayed, said, Lord, where do you want me to, to go with evangelism? And we could go so many routes. And, and, and we all have our thoughts of evangelism and what it means to evangelize and um, what it means to, to be evangelistic here in Eagle versus the Front Range versus evangelizing in Texas versus evangelizing in San Francisco or India or China. There's all different things. But at the end of the day... We're going to look at what, what Scripture says. And today I want to talk about what evangelism is, why is evangelism important, and how do we start. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So evangelism, simply put, it's announcing or proclaiming the good news. We can all do that. One pastor said, we're not all called to be evangelists, but we are called to evangelize. And I, I, I like that because here Christ is saying, go. We've all heard that. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I want to kind of paint this picture. Here Here we have the disciples. Christ is talking to the disciples. You're, you're, you're a disciple of Christ. You've been, you've been fishing, and all of a sudden this, this, this man comes up and says, Hey, come with me. Be fishers of men. And you go with him, and you live your life with him, and, and he's the Messiah. And you see him do miracles. You see him uh, raise the dead. You see him um, feed the thousands with, 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 with two loaves of or with fish and bread. And you see him do all these great things, calm the storms, and you know he's the Messiah. And all of a sudden, he, he's sharing with you and saying, one of you are going to betray me. And you're saying, no, you're, we will not betray you. And here's the Son of God, God in the flesh, crucified. And now you're, 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 you're broken. And you're thinking, what, what, is, what has happened? 
This was, this was God. This was God in the flesh. Here's Christ. I, I've trusted him. I, I, I love him. And, and now we're, we're, um, we're at a loss. And Christ is, is, is crucified. And he, he rises. He arose and he comes and he speaks to them. And they see him for the first time. And it says in verse 17 before that, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So they see Christ in the flesh, and yet some doubted. And in the midst of some doubting, Christ still says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Christ has been given all authority. And, and I think about the military and, and, and how, how it's a ranking, a ranking system. And, and if your superior officer tells you to go do something, you don't really have a choice to say, you know, I'd rather not. I think it's a little dangerous. You have to learn and you have to trust that your superior has the best for you. Some of you have been in the military and you know that. When, when they tell you to run, you don't question it. You just do it. When they tell you to eat at a certain time, you don't question it. You just do it. When they tell you to drop and give you 20, you just do it. And here Christ is, is, this, is coming with, to the disciples with authority. And he's saying, go, therefore. Now, we live in a time where, where we don't like that. Right, because cause it's, it's uncomfortable. You know, Christ, God, you know, if, if you're going to call me to do something, I really need to know why you're doing that. I really need to know why you're calling me to do that. I really need to understand before I actually do it, because that's how my mind works. That's how I was raised as an American as in this position, and, and I just need to know. And the reality is, Scripture teaches us, hey, Christ is our authority, and he comes to the disciples, and he says, go, therefore, and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It's, it's a commandment. It's a commission. We've been commissioned to go. So what does this mean for us? It means that we are to share the good news. Okay, so, so here's, here's a form of evangelism that I think a lot of us fall into. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. I don't know. But this approach of lifestyle slash friendship evangelism. So this, this is fairly new. It's always, it's this fairly new approach to, to evangelism. It's, it's, I'm going to live my life holy, pleasing to God. I'm going to be a positive influence in my community. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, do well at my job. I'm going to serve the Lord. And, and, and eventually people will come to me and, and, and ask me when they're in a situation, they're going to ask me about my walk with God. Now that's not bad. Please, please hear me out. In Ephesians chapter four, verse one, two, three, Paul is speaking. He says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain, maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Walk in the manner worthy of the calling you've been called. Here Paul saying, yeah, live that life. Live a life that's holy. Be that light in your community. Share Christ by how you live. But that's not just it. And I think what we do is we also, we, we say, okay, I'm gonna, there's, there's, there's lifestyle evangelism and there's verbal evangelism. And, and right now I'm going to live my life as a good Christian and I'm gonna, people are going to know that I'm a Christian by my fruits. And that's good. But I think sometimes we, we stick to that and that is the only form. And I would say, man, Paul is just to live a life like that, but he's also, the gospel says, to proclaim, to verbally tell people about Christ. Proclaim the good news. So what's the good news? Christ. 
That's the good news. That's it. I think we tend to overcomplicate evangelism. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 41, we're going to see verbal evangelism. It says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from the corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number that day. I'm sure when the, when, in this time when the apostles would, would go and they would share Christ, they had to make sure that they're, um, before they really proclaimed the gospel, that the coffee was set, the snacks were set, they had a good kids program, that the fall ministry was doing well, that everything was set, right? No, it was just, we've, we've just seen Christ crucified. We know he's the son of God and we need to proclaim him. That was it. And I like how they respond. What shall we do? Peter proclaims the truth and the Holy Spirit moves in their hearts. They say, what do we do? I think we need to remember that when we share Christ, when we evangelize, when we proclaim the good news, when we tell people about Christ, it's not our responsibility to, to convince them. It's not our responsibility to make sure that they understand that, that Christ is the only way. That's the Holy Spirit. And then they repent. He says, repent, turn from your sins, and then in action, be baptized. The bottom line is, we are to live out our lives in, in friendship evangelism, and we're also to proclaim it verbally. You know, I think when we think of that word evangelism, we think of a street evangelist, right? We think of, 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 of the tent revivalist. I come into the town, setting up a big tent and, and, and preaching, you know, a uh, turn or burn type of approach. We think of, of, of the TV evangelist. We think of a street evangelist we, when we've seen them. And we think of this. But really, evangelism is not complicated. I want to show you guys a video. i got a couple of videos, and they're going to follow up. And um, I didn't realize that Pastor Judge shared uh, a video last week about Francis Chan. I listened to the message, but I, I think I missed that part. Obviously, it's not on the um, audio. Uh, I, I didn't get a visual of it. But it's a video of Chan. If you don't know who Francis Chan is, he wrote this book called Crazy Love. And, and the reason why I like this is because um, I had a roommate in college who was, who was the youth pastor, and his dad actually started this church in, uh, in San Francisco. It's called the San Francisco Rescue Mission. And what they do is, is they feed the homeless, and, and every day they feed them and they share the good news. They, they talk about Christ. They have a drug rehab uh, uh, program. They have a, a, a job program. They have a thrift shop that they've purchased and, um, and, and, and try to reach Christ that way. Everything they do is to reach, is to reach people for, the, for Christ. And um, some years ago, Francis Chan, about two or three years ago, Francis Chan left his church in Southern California, moved to San Francisco, and uh, partnered with, with the San Francisco Rescue Mission. And here's this video of, of Francis Chan sharing the gospel to this man named Ricky. And uh, Christian, who's my roommate, had the opportunity to film it. And it's a two-part video. I'm going to show you the video later. But I really want you to see just the simplicity of what's 
what's happening. And later you're going to see the result of, of what the Lord has done. So I want to watch that real quick. Verse 16. So that's what they always put. That's what yeah, you know, that's 16 go put on his face. Yeah. Yeah. Put John 3.16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See that? That God so loved the world. Wow, he did. Yeah. And he gave his one and only Son. That's cool. But now we get all these kids and yeah. he's his only son. And he says, whoever believes in him, like any one of us who really believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. That means we're not going to die. It means that we're not going to, we're not going to be sent into judgment, separated from him forever. He says, but instead we're going to have eternal life. And eternal life, you're saying, we can believe in him. means we're going to live forever. With Jesus and his spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Bible talks about how we get new bodies. And what? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be stuck with that scar on your back. What? <laughs> you know? And uh, he says, For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Okay. So that's why he sent his son. His son didn't come down to condemn. You know, he came to save us. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Oh, okay. So you condemned already, but they didn't believe. Yeah, the people that reject him, that's what Christian was talking about. Okay, you know, there's people that'll say, look, I don't need Jesus. I don't believe in that whole Jesus thing. I don't need him to die on a cross for me. I can do this on my own. Oh, okay. You know? Well, people think like that. They go to be a book of Yeah. Somebody put them here. Someone put them here. I know. But, you, you know, it's, it's what we were saying before, how they're just dead. They just start doing whatever feels good, whatever the world is doing, like the guy that stabbed you. They're, yeah. just, they're not even thinking about God at that point. Yeah, they're, so they're right. just thinking about what they want. Yeah. But people... God, you know, you, you know, it's perfect because uh, this is exactly the very next verse says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Ooh, you know, it's, yeah. it's so real, but when we are there, we're not saying it's the death, it's smoking hard. It's got to be dark. We don't want no light in the room. When it's sunny and bright outside, we got curtains closed. Yeah. Put some blankets in the window. Uh-huh. We like to keep the dark in there. Yeah. We keep the dark. Yeah. We don't want the outside to see nothing. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. So everyone says, I don't want. That, that's why they don't want to believe in God. Like, you go. Verse 16. That's what they are. All right. So I want to read this. Christian wrote this in his uh, posting of this video. After nine months of ministering, visiting, and showing grace to Ricky, we had the privilege of sitting down with him to walk through the gospel. He was in a gospel quartet for 14 years, singing about God's amazing grace, but never understood what it meant. For 30 minutes, Francis shared Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, and John 3 with him. Ricky was overwhelmed that Jesus was willing to lay down his life his response to hearing the gospel for the first time was worth capturing on video. We close by singing Amazing Grace. This time, 
he truly understood what it, it, what he was seeing about. I like this video because it's just raw. It's just this video of, of Francis Chan sitting down and just sharing a few verses. And I think if you watch this, you can see that the Holy Spirit is moving. He's doing something in the life of this guy named Ricky. And I think often, we, 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 again, we try to complicate evangelism. We try to complicate, okay, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be set up. And really, it's going to our neighbors and saying, hey, can I, just, can I just share what God has done in my life? Can I just pray for you? Can I just invite you to our church and, and take you out to lunch afterwards? Can I just, just really just share the good news? Bottom line, there's people that are hurting. There's people that are hurting in our valley. And, and for me, this past week, it was, it was God... People in the Eagle County are, are, have this front that they're happy, that they're excited, that, that everything's good. They come home from their jobs and, and everything looks picture perfect from the outside and they've got the plants where they need it and, and everything looks beautiful from the outside and they come into the home and they're empty. They're sad. You know, I've been to the rescue mission uh, three, four times and, and, and I've, I've, I've gone out and have passed out sandwiches to, to homeless and in this situation it's it's, it's, it's the worst part of San Francisco. It's called the Tenderloin District. And, and I've been able to pray with people. And I think often we, we, we see those, the people in, in those situations, we think, yeah, they need Christ. Yeah, they're hurting. And, 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 and that's it. But here in the Old County, we don't. And the reality is there's people here that are hurting. And so why is evangelism important? Because Jesus said to him in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The reason it's important is because it's important to God. Bottom line. It should be important to us. I want to share four reasons. Evangelism is a commandment that gives a commandment that is given to us. It's God's desire for us. He wants us to be a part of that story. If you're here and you, you've accepted Christ and you have a relationship with Christ, it's because someone probably told you about him. Someone probably shared this story here. They probably shared John 3.16. They probably sat with you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe you were sitting by yourself and you began to read the word and it just popped out. And the Holy Spirit said, for maybe just your eyes were open. Evangelism, number two, evangelism is God's plan. Romans 3, verse 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift, though the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In Acts, we see that the church begins to grow and, 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 and it's God's plan that we evangelize, that we share the good news. You know, I want to take a quick second and, and ask us, where, as a church, when do we get to the point where God says, okay, EBC, you guys are, are good. You can stop evangelizing. Is it 30 people? Then we get to 40 people. Then we get to 50 people. Then we get to 100 people. 200? 500? Okay, well, now he's going to start talking about numbers and how we need to be a bigger church in numbers. No, we're not talking about numbers. We're talking about disciples, followers of Christ. Would you rather have 30 followers of Christ that are going to heaven, going to spend eternity with the Lord, or would we rather have 70? Would we rather have 70, or would we rather have 100? For me, I, I don't look at this as, this is a numbers deal. 
I look at it as, man, God, you've called us. And until every single person in Eagle County comes to know you as their personal Savior, our job is not done. Our job as a church is not done. And so, what evangelism is not. Because we, we kind of know what evangelism, maybe you know what evangelism is, but here's what it's not. Evangelism is not going to other believers who attend different churches and inviting them to EBC. Then it becomes a numbers thing where, okay, well, as long as our chairs are full, we're good. As long as we, man, if we can just get our, our, ta- our chairs full, we'll be good. God will then be happy. No, it's not about that. That's called church pirates. Maybe you didn't think of that there were actual pirates, but there are. There are people who go to other churches and take from those churches to invite to this church or that church or any church. It's not just here in Eagle County. It's throughout the world. It's a church pirate. That's not evangelism. They, tend, they seem to draw them in with certain programs. Or we've got this program. Or we've got this worship. Or we've got this multimedia. Or we've got this pastor. Or we've got these uh, snacks for breakfast. We have Starbucks coffee. We begin to invite them that way. That's not evangelism. Evangelism is not picking up trash as a church. Yeah, it's a form of evangelism. It's, it's us getting out there. But ultimately, it's not proclaiming one-on-one, sharing the gospel. Hopefully, I would look at that as pre-evangelism. We, hopefully, prayerfully, that sets us up for the opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, Pastor Joe would tell me that we were, was it one of the or the largest group? The largest group of all who came out and served. Okay, we could pat ourselves on the back and be like, man, that's good. We did our good deed. Lord, you, that should buy you a couple months of blessing on EBC. Right? But the reality is, no. The Lord is, did that, I believe, to send a message to the powers that be in Eagle County. Because there are people in Eagle County who set this up who are talking about EBC. Wow, that church sent people out. And prayerfully, that opens the door for another event where we're able to go and, and, and share the gospel and share the good news of, of Christ to someone. That's what our prayers should be. The gospel. Evangelism is not only Pastor Judd's responsibility. I know some of you think, okay, that's Judd's responsibility. All right, Judd, you're kind of slacking. There's a few chairs missing here or there. You, you know, you're paid. You've got to get on it. Come on. That's not it. We are the church. And so as a church, it is our responsibility to share the good news. Evangelism is important because the love of Christ compels us. John 3.16, as you saw Francis Chan sharing to this guy named Ricky, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Love compels us to do this. As I said this past week, I was, I was just praying. I said, Lord... Man, would you, would you speak to me? I sincerely prayed that. In the last few days, I was just, my mind was racing. I was like, God, where can I be better? How can I, I, I have friends who aren't, aren't, aren't going with the Lord. And it's that love that compels us to evangelize. Evangelism is, evangelism is important because people are lost outside of Christ. We live in a time where, where people say, all roads lead to heaven. You know, don't push your religion on me. Don't, don't tell me what's right. Don't tell me what's wrong. All roads lead to heaven. And it's then when I'm like, okay, well, come to my house and just take any road. It'll, it'll take you there. I had a, I had a, a lunch with a, a friend of mine or dinner. And we went out and he was saying, you know, I, I really believe that, that really all religions um, are true. 
all religions are right. And I said, well, just so you know, that's impossible. And he kind of was like, what do you mean that's impossible? That's almost like that's my belief. I can believe it. I said, well, that's impossible. If you think about it logically, some religions say that there is a heaven. Some religions say that there is not a heaven. They can't be right. Some religions say if there is a God, some religions say there's not a God. Some religions say there's one God, some religions say there's a million gods. So, logically, it cannot be. One person, one religion is right, one religion is wrong. And he thought about it, he goes, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's true. And so I got to share, share some of the gospel with him and what I believe and, and, and the good news of Christ. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a pretty bold statement. And, and we, we, we sometimes don't want to offend people, but the gospel of Christ is offensive. It's offensive. Christ paid with his life. The disciples paid with their lives. The gospel, to, to share the gospel and say, if you do have Christ, you will spend eternity from him or with him. But if you want to reject Christ during this, this life, this 80 years or 90 years that you're here, God's going to allow you to do that. And if you want to spend the rest of your life and eternity without Christ, He will allow you to do that. He doesn't want that. He, would, he came so that you could be saved. But God loves us and He wants us with Him. He'll give you what we want. So how do we start? The third thing. Matthew 9, 37-38. Then, then He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and to send out the laborers into the harvest. I would say be willing to be a laborer. Be willing to, to serve in any way. And I know we're busy and, and, and this isn't a, a guilt thing at all, but in find ways. Find ways. You know, last week I, uh, there's a guy here and, and he cleaned the toilets and, and I was like, man, dude, thanks so much for cleaning the toilets. Because if you've been there when they're not clean, just imagine 300 little elementary kids using it. And I said, thanks for cleaning that, man. That's, that's, that's really good. I, I'm, I'm, thank you. He goes, yeah, of course. I, you know, why, why wouldn't I? And it's, it's the little things like that. I said, but, man, that's someone who can come for the very first time will walk in, use a urinal, and be like, they cared enough to, to clean this. I'm going to come back. It's little things like that. Be willing to be a laborer. I know a lot of you serve in, in different areas and you have jobs and you have um, you are a light in your community. And the community that God has placed you in is not by accident. And I know a lot of you who, who serve the Lord and reach those in your community. So continue to do that. Again, pray earnestly to the Lord is what he says. So how do we start as individuals? We pray. Say, God, would you, would you change me? Would you teach me how to, how to evangelize or just share the good news of Christ? Give me ways to do it, Lord. Let a neighbor come over. Let us get in a conversation. Let me be able to share. Give me that boldness that I need. Let my light shine. How do we start as a church? We'll pray for Pastor Judd and Ashley. Pray for them. Say, God, would you give them wisdom? Would you give them strength? Would you give them direction for where we want to go? And as you saw, um, I think that's happening. It's, it's been happening. And we see where we're going this next year. And now, God, would you prepare my heart for, for those messages and where you want us to go? Pray for the elders, for direction and vision. Pray for the ministries here at EBC. Say, God, what are we doing? Would you, would you, would you be with them? And so, when we have to reach, 
the point where we don't have to evangelize anymore, it's not a good place to be. I think we should always be seeking to, to, to share the gospel. I want to close with one, one last video. And this is a video of, of this guy that you just saw, Ricky, who, who Francis Chan had the opportunity to sit down with. And after nine months of, of talking with him, showing him grace, and, and now you see this story of unfold and, and uh, him sitting down for the very first time. And now the story of, of Ricky.
I remember asking Christian, hey Christian, what's, what's the toughest part about reaching the lost in the tenderloin? They call it the TL. I said, what's the toughest part about reaching people in the TL? He goes, the drugs. Because the drugs always pulls them back. One year I went and, and uh, there was an intern there and uh, serving. And then the next year, I remember, uh, it wasn't even for, for ministry. I had just gone to San Francisco uh, about a year later. And I saw him on the corner. And he was he was strung out and he was just laying there. And and I, I went up to him and I was like, I forgot his name. But I said, dude, what's going on? How are you doing? He goes, pretty good. And he didn't really want to talk to me. He was ashamed. And this valley, we, we don't have the, the drug. Yes, yes, there are drugs, but we don't see that kind of drug use or that kind of poverty. But instead, it's, it's asking myself, God, what, what is it in Eagle County that keeps people from, from receiving you? Maybe it wouldn't be drugs and poverty and, and all this, but maybe it would be, oh, they're, they're comfortable. Maybe it's, they're dependent on, on their job or they don't want to push themselves or we don't want to get outside our comfort zone. Whatever it is, as I saw this video, I thought, man, that's, that's so cool how, how we, we get to see literally the gospel being presented in such a simple way for the first time. John 3.16 here. And then this story unfolded. This guy named Ricky who, who really has a transformation. His life has changed. He now knows what amazing grace is. And he gets to stand there and say, that was cool what God did. That was cool. My prayer is that I would never get so comfortable that I don't feel like I need to share Christ. And my prayer for us is that we would always say, hey, you know what? There's, there's lost out there. There's people who don't know Christ, who are empty inside, who have this front of, of everything is good, everything is comfortable, I'm good. But really, when they get home and they're alone and they're by themselves, there's an emptiness. And so today, I want to I wanna close in prayer. And Pastor Judd will come on up with communion. But evangelism is simply sharing the good news of Christ. And so, God, I just, um, just want to thank you for this, this time and for all that you've done. And God, for giving us the opportunity to, to come here and, and worship you. And um, thank you for your amazing grace. Your grace that just pours out on our life, Lord. And God, we, we are so not worthy of heaven. We're so not worthy of you. But Lord, you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die for our sins. There's nothing we could ever do to earn our way into heaven. But God, it's simply by trusting in you. And so, God, for those who maybe um, are in this valley and maybe here who don't know you, God, I pray that you would, you would tug at their hearts and your Holy Spirit would draw them to you. And, God, I pray for us who, who know you that, Lord, you would, you would just change us. And for those who, who are living a life of evangelism and sharing, finding opportunities to share Christ, Lord, would you continue to to pour out your blessing. God, we just want to be people who who share the good news. And so, God, we thank you for um, for your love and we thank you for 
truly just blessing us with so much, Lord. Be with us and we thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.